You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your headspace, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, AJ Andrews of JaysFromTheCouch.com. It is well into the witching hour as I record this 2.21 a.m. at the start of recording here in snowbound Halifax. I mean, it's not as snowbound as St. John's, but still, there's a lot of snow. It's difficult. <laughs> like, you try walking around it in pumps. It's It's not fun. Anyway, back with you this week. We're going to start kind of ramping things up a little bit. Um, spring training is going to be starting. Pitchers and catchers are going to report. So I'm going to start trying to get these out a little more frequently than the whole, you know, one per week, if that. So look forward to hearing my voice more, hopefully in a better state than it is right now. I think I'm still recovering from karaoke on the weekend, which if you ever want to hear me sing Torn, that's that's the go-to. So we got some things to talk about. Second half of this program is going to be dedicated to the minor league signings that the Blue Jays have made this week. It's just a flurry of activity from them after sleeping through the Christmas season and the Boxing Day season and whatever you call the two weeks after when people shop season. Blue Jays did a lot of stuff, so we'll talk about that. But I did want to double back on something we actually talked about on the last podcast, and that's the unraveling of the whole Astros phenomenon and how it actually impacted the Blue Jays more directly than initially thought. Well, first of all, we were totally right. Alex Cora is gone in Boston. So they're going to be scrambling looking for a manager. And that's good news for Toronto. Because like, if they're going to leapfrog anyone to get into third place in this division, it is likely going to be a Boston team that is desperate to get under the luxury tax and doesn't really have a lot of reinforcements coming for a team that is starting to get older and is peddling its best player in Mookie Betts. So good good news for Toronto there. Bad news, they actually have a member of that Houston 2017 team on their staff. Um, it was pointed out that you know, the Blue Jays hired away Dave Hudgens, who was the hitting coach at the time in Houston, to be their bench coach. And the hire was made at the end of the 2017 season. So, so Hudgens gets to avoid the continuance of the problem, like like he was gone by the end of the year. And Hudgens did not come up in Rob Manfred's report. Shai Davidi reported that Hudgens was clear, was not mentioned and that the Blue Jays were going to keep him on. So it does make the circumstances of Hutchins hiring a little more interesting. Did he know what was going on? Or did he just want to get out of a clubhouse that he thought was starting to get a little toxic? And 
like like we we heard the reports that you got AJ Hinch smashing monitors and stuff and probably trying to fight his players who obviously want you know the those signals coming in be they electronically through a bandage or audibly from a garbage can I can't imagine that worked out very well so the Blue Jays do um get off a little bit on that and that they don't have to worry about trying to replace their bench coach at this point in the season like other teams are trying to replace their managers which again good luck which does bring me to the other bit of tangential Blue Jays news related to this and that is the open managerial position in Houston now it broke very quickly that the Astros were looking at John Gibbons as a potential name to come in and manage for them and it does make a lot of sense for both sides really Houston needs to find someone who's available who's a steady hand who can be a calming influence on a clubhouse that is now completely in flux it works out for Gibby because he doesn't have to move too far away from San Antonio he gets to stay in Texas for the majority of the year gets to relax and you know the previous guy got turf for cheating it's a very low bar that you're coming into Granted, I know personally, while I would like to see John Gibbons have another chance to manage in the majors, Houston is not the team I want to see him on. And I mean, granted, neither of the Texas teams are very palatable when it comes to landing spots for John Gibbons, just in my opinion. But it it, it still feels almost like... um. You know, you know, seeing Lando Calrissian give Cloud City over the Darth Vader, and yeah, that's a dated reference, but that's the first one I could think of. So, you know, it's it's just kind of that turning to the dark side feel with John Gibbons. That that's just gonna be a little weird. Like when when the Astros come in and you see Ghibli waddling out from the visitors' clubhouse in that deep blue orange combination whatever they decide to wear um now gibbons obviously doesn't have the job yet there are multiple names being mentioned buck showalter has gotten uh named to that spot as well um earlier today dusty baker emerged as a candidate so there's a definite pattern for what Houston's going for in that veteran guy who can come in quickly, doesn't need a lot of warm up time, doesn't really need to learn the job, but can can come in and instantly command respect in that room. And you and you look at um, two of the younger names that have been mentioned in uh, Eduardo Perez, who's currently working for ESPN, and their current bench coach Joe Espada, who got mentioned for some managerial hires last year, almost thought he was uh, in the running for the Blue Jays job, actually. So they they do have a lot of options. They can go a lot of ways and still probably be all right. It, it just, again, just hearing John Gibbon's name come up with Houston was just a little weird for me. Um, instead of names going out, how about we talk about names coming in? We're going to do that right after this. You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. 
part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we are back. So, as I mentioned, the Blue Jays have made a flurry of minor league signings, and that's great. There is no such thing as a bad minor league signing unless it's, you know, someone who has some off-the-field issues. But luckily, we don't have to discuss those with the current crop of minor league signings that the Blue Jays officially confirmed this week. And I'm just going to go through and I'm going to rank them in order of both likeliness to play in Toronto this season and how much I am actually excited about them and how much I care, basically. So... Number five, a guy who's familiar to fans in Buffalo, Patrick Cantwell, signed a minor league deal. Now, Cantwell still hasn't been able to really break through at the major league level. He spent the entire season um, in Buffalo with a brief stop in Dunedin. But in 22 games, he batted 217. Um... No home runs, which that's amazing, giving the juice ball at AAA. Um, but yeah, he's just there to be catcher. First baseman provides some depth. It's similar to what he did last season. Number four, and this is where things really light up, because Ryan Dull is back with the Blue Jays signing a minor league deal. The 30-year-old right-hander was garbage. Last season, 1279 ERA combined in 11 games with Oakland, the Yankees, and that one appearance he made for Toronto. I didn't even think he made an appearance. So good for him. He got more action than I thought he did with the Blue Jays. He still gave up a run. I think I remember that game. Gave up the solo shot. So he can go to AAA and try and figure out some stuff, but I... I would hope that the Blue Jays, if they are searching for bullpen arms, that they actually give the younger guys a shot as opposed to a guy who just needs to be able to find something. Like, find that 2016 form. If you can find it, great. If not, enjoy Buffalo, Ryan. Number three, and this is a familiar name to Blue Jays fans from his AL East days, Caleb Joseph. Signed a minor league deal, 33-year-old catcher. He used to play for the Orioles for five seasons. Spent last season kind of with Arizona. He got in 20 games. So, a career 223 hitter. 31 career home runs. Didn't go yard last season. He's he's going to be just depth. If he's called up, that means Danny Jansen or Reese McGuire have suffered a long-term injury that is disappointing. So Joseph will just get to chill in Buffalo, probably wait for a shot. If if another catcher goes down, the Blue Jays can probably trade him off for cash considerations or something like that. So, you know, just another guy who it's good to have down there. Now... Number two and number one are the interesting ones. And if I were you, Bravik Valera, I'd be paying very close attention to these two names because they are your main competition for that 40-man roster spot. 
And given that you were a very late September waiver claim and you somehow survived over Richard Urania, I would be watching your back for these two gentlemen. Um, number two is Ruben Tejada, a.k.a. the guy whose leg Chase Utley broke. Um, yeah, that's a great claim, claim to fame to have. Um, Tejada did make it back to the majors in 2019. He got into six games with the Mets, scored a run because he was pinch running, but didn't get on base. Um... Nothing really inspiring because since the the injury to his leg, he's just been drifting a bit. So he's a career 250 hitter. He's not going to hit for power. He hasn't hit a home run in the majors since 2015. So he's he's essentially like like anyone who's thinking he could be Eric Sogard 2.0. The profiles are very different. Sogard could at least hit for contact regularly. Tejada hasn't really shown the ability to do that since returning. So I would not be expecting Tejada up in the majors, but again, you never know. We didn't think Sogard was going to get called up and, you know, he ended up being great and got them two, two players from the Rays. So... I will never say never, but it's not looking good for Ruben Tejada. Again, just a veteran presence in Buffalo with a lot of the guys, um, a a lot of the guys coming through the system now. They just needed some bodies at Buffalo. And and if they want to leave at the end of spring training, again, it's a minor league deal. So who really cares? Um, But the number one person I'm interested in in this quintet of signings that the Blue Jays made is Joe Panic, and not just for the pun possibility, because oh my god, that would that would just make my life. Because that that was the main reason I liked him in San Francisco. Just you know, panic attack, no need to panic. Like, come on, it's it's so so easy. It's like shooting Anthony Bass in a barrel. Anyway, Panic has just fallen off the table since breaking into the league in 2015 as an all-star second baseman with San Francisco. That was the year he batted 312 with eight home runs and 37 RBIs in 100 games and the injury after the all-star break, so that kind of sucked. But since then, he's struggled to find that form. And then when San Francisco DFA'd him early or midway through last season, it was a very interesting decision, but... It, it kind of spoke to how far he'd fallen. He he latched on with the Mets, and he did look better with the Mets. Um, he had a 277 batting average with New York as opposed to the 235 he was putting up in San Francisco. Maybe he's just sick of the losing. Who knows? But, you know, coming into spring training on a minor league deal, he, he knows he's got to prove something. Otherwise, again, he's going to be in Buffalo or he's going to be released. Whatever. But... It's it's the perfect kind of gamble for the Blue Jays to make because if it works out, then all of a sudden they have a guy who can hit for contact, um, who has like a little bit of speed, but not a lot. So he's not going to kill you on the base paths. 
and he's a guy who can play capable defense. He's a gold glove second baseman. So if you want to start exploring moving some of your younger positional players around, we know they talked about Bichette about potentially moving from shortstop if they got Francisco Lindor or Didi Gregorius. Um, and Kevin Biggio could be that versatile guy like his father was and make a move into the outfield or something and then free up that spot if Panic shows any shot any sign of being that guy of being more than just a glove to throw out there so i'm actually going to be really interested to see what he offers with this invite to spring training and if again if he can show something like eric sogar did last year he has a shot to be called back up he has a shot to shake to take bravik valera's job and i would be thrilled with that because again you know, some, sometimes you just don't know what you're going to title an episode, and, and there's a bit of panic. Yeah, I got some time to work on it. Whatever. Anyway, that will bring us to the end of this episode of Locked on Blue Jays. Just a reminder, if you want to interact and ask questions and, you know, just talk to me, you can do so at A underscore J underscore Andrews on Twitter. The underscores are there because Twitter is dumb. Um, subscribe to the podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, however you get podcasts. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode because there are going to be more flying at you. So get ready for that. And uh, follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at Locked on Jays. And we will be back later this week to talk about the uniforms and see about some other things. I haven't fully decided what I want to do yet, but they will be coming. So be ready for them. Anyway, for everyone here at the Locked On Podcast Network and everyone at jsundercoach.com, I'm AJ Andrews. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. And y'all take care.